This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recorded by Alan Davis Drake at PaintedRiceCakes.org Ulysses by James Joyce Chapter 17, Section B what two temperaments did they individually represent? The scientific, the artistic. What proofs did Bloom adduce to prove that his tendency was towards applied rather than towards pure science? Certain possible inventions of which he had cogitated when reclining in a state of supine repletion to aid digestion stimulated by his appreciation of the importance of inventions now common but once revolutionary for example the aeronautic parachute the reflecting telescope the spiral corkscrew the safety pin the mineral water siphon the canal lock with winch and sluice the suction pump were these inventions principally intended for an improved scheme of kindergarten Yes, rendering obsolete popguns, elastic air-bladders, games of hazard, catapults. They comprised astronomical kaleidoscopes exhibiting the twelve constellations of the zodiac from Aries to Pisces, miniature mechanical orreries, arithmetical gelatin lozenges, geometrical to correspond with zoological biscuits, globe-map playing balls, historically costumed dolls. What also stimulated his cogitations? The financial success achieved by Ephraim Marx and Charles A. James, the former by his one-pence bazaar at 42 Georges Street South, the latter his six-shillings half-pence shop and world's fancy fair and waxwork exhibition at 30 Henry Street, admission two-pence, children one-pence and the infinite possibilities hitherto unexploited of the modern art of advertisement, if condensed in triliteral monoidal symbols, vertically and maximum visibility, divided, horizontally of maximum legibility, deciphered, and of magnetizing efficacy to arrest involuntary attention, to interest, to convince, to decide. Such as K2 Kino's Eleven Shillings Trousers, House of Keys, Alexander J. Keys. Such as not. Look at this long candle. Calculate when it burns out, and you receive gratis one pair of our special non-compo boots, guaranteed one candle power. Address, Barclay & Cook, 18 Talbert Street. Basilical Insect Powder, Verbibest Boot Blacking, you want it combined pocket two-blade penknife with corkscrew nail file and pipe cleaner such as never what is home without plum trees potted meat incomplete with it an abode of bliss manufactured by george plumtree twenty three merchants quay dublin put up in four ounce pots and inserted by councillor joseph p nanetti m p rotunda ward eighteen hardwick street under the obituary notices and anniversaries of deceases the name on the label is plumtree a plumtree in a meat pot registered trademark beware of imitations peat mott 
Trumble Plea, Mountpat, Plamtrue. What example did he adduce to induce Stephen to deduce that originality, though producing its own reward, does not invariably conduce to success? His own ideated and rejected project of an illuminated show-cart, drawn by a beast of burden, in which two smartly-dressed girls were to be seated engaged in writing. What suggested scene was then constructed by Stephen? Solitary hotel in mountain pass, autumn, twilight, firelight, in dark corner young man seated, young woman enters, restless, solitary, she sits, she goes to window, she stands, she sits, twilight, she thinks, on solitary hotel paper she writes, she thinks, she writes, she sighs, wheels and hoofs, she hurries out, he comes from his dark corner, he seizes solitary paper. He holds it towards fire. Twilight. He reads. Solitary. What? In sloping, upright, and backhands. Queen's Hotel? Queen's Hotel? Queen's Hotel? Queen's Ho- What suggested scene was then reconstructed by Bloom? The Queen's Hotel, Ennis, County Clare, where Rudolph Bloom, Rudolph Verag, died on the evening of 27 June 1886 at some hour unstated, in consequence of an overdose of monkshood, aconite, self-administered in the form of a neuralgic liniment composed of two parts of aconite liniment to one of chloroform liniment, purchased by him at 10.20 a.m. in the morning of 27 June 1886 at the Medical Hall of Francis Dennehy, 17 Church Street, Innes. After having, though not in consequence of having, purchased at 3.15 p.m. on the afternoon of 27 June 1886, a new boater straw hat, extra smart. After having, though not in consequence of having, purchased at the hour and in the place aforesaid, the toxin aforesaid, at the general drapery store of James Cullen for Main Street, Ennis. Did he contribute this homonymity to information or coincidence or intuition? Coincidence. Did he depict the scene verbally for his guest to see? He preferred himself to see another's face and listen to another's words by which potential narration was realized and kinetic temperament relieved. Did he see only a second coincidence in the second scene narrated to him, described by the narrator as a physic sight of Palestine or the parable of the palms? It, with the preceding scenes and with others unnarrated but existent by implication, to which add essays or various subjects or moral apothegms, e.g., my favorite hero or procrastination is the thief of time, composed during school years, seemed to him to contain in itself and in conjunction with the personal equations certain possibilities of financial, social, personal, and sexual success, whether specially collected and selected as model pedagogic themes of cent per cent merit, for the use of preparatory and junior-grade students, 
or contributed in printed form, following the precedent of Philip Beaufoy or Dr. Dick or Heblon's Studies in Blue, to a publication of certified circulation and solvency, or employed verbally as intellectual stimulations for sympathetic auditors. Tacitly appreciative of successful narrative and confidently augurated of successful achievement during the increasingly longer nights gradually following the summer solstice on the day but three following Vedilicit, Tuesday, 21st June, S. Aloysius Gonzaga, Sunrise, 3.33 a.m., Sunset, 8.29 p.m which domestic problem as much as, if not more than any other, frequently engaged his mind. What to do with our wives? What had been his hypothetical singular solutions? Parlor games, dominoes, halma, tiddlywinks, spillikins, cup and ball, nap, spoil five, bezique, twenty-five, beggar my neighbor, draughts, chess, or backgammon. Embroidery, darning, or knitting for the police-aided clothing society. Musical duets. Mandolin and guitar, piano and flute, guitar and piano. Legal scrivery or envelope addressing. Bi-weekly visits to variety entertainments. Commercial activity as pleasantly commanding and pleasantly obeyed mistress proprietress in a cool dairy shop or warm cigar divan. The clandestine satisfaction of erotic irritation in masculine brothels, state-inspected and medically controlled. Social visits, at regular infrequent prevented intervals, and with regular frequent preventative superintendence. To and from female acquaintances of recognized respectability in the vicinity. Courses of evening instruction specially designed to render liberal instruction agreeable. What instances of deficient mental development in his wife inclined him in favor of the last-mentioned ninth solution? In disoccupied moments she had more than once covered a sheet of paper with signs and hieroglyphics which he stated were Greek and Irish and Hebrew characters. She had interrogated constantly at varying intervals as to the correct method of writing the capital initial of the name of the city in Canada. Quebec. She understood little of political complications, internal or balance of power, external. In calculating the addenda of bills, she frequently had recourse to digital aid. After completion of laconic epistolary compositions, she abandoned the implement of calligraphy in the encaustic pigment. Exposed to the corrosive action of caparis, green vitriol, and nightgall. Unusual polysyllables of foreign origin she interpreted phonetically, or by false analogy, or by both. Metempsychosis, met him pycosis, alias, mendacious person mentioned in sacred scripture. What compensated in the false balance of her intelligence for these and such deficiencies of judgment regarding persons, places, and things? the false apparent parallelism of all perpendicular arms of all balances, proved true by construction, the counterbalance of her proficiency of judgment regarding one person proved true by experiment. 
How had he attempted to remedy this state of comparative ignorance? Variously, by leaving in a conspicuous place a certain book opened at a certain page, by assuming in her, when alluding explanatorily, latent knowledge, by open ridicule in her presence of some absent other's ignorant lapse. With what success had he attempted direct instruction? She followed not at all a part of the whole, gave attention with interest comprehended with surprise, with care repeated, with greater difficulty remembered, forgot with ease, with misgiving re-remembered, repeated with error. What system had proved more effective? Indirect suggestion implicating self-interest. Example. She disliked umbrella with rain. He liked women with umbrella. She disliked new hat with rain. He liked women with new hat. He brought new hat with rain. She carried umbrella with new hat. Accepting the analogy implied in his guest's parable, which examples of post-exilic eminence did he adduce? Three seekers of the pure truth. Moses of Egypt, Moses Maimonides, author of More Nebuchadnezzar, Guide of the Perplexed, and Moses Mendelssohn, of such eminence that from Moses of Egypt to Moses Mendelssohn there arose none like Moses Maimonides. What statement was made, under correction, by Bloom concerning a fourth seeker of pure truth by name Aristotle, mentioned with permission by Stephen? That the seeker mentioned had been a pupil of a rabbinical philosopher, name uncertain. Were other and apocryphal illustrious sons of the law and children of a selected or rejected race mentioned? Felix Bartholdi Mendelssohn, composer, Baruch Spinoza, philosopher, Mendoza, pugilist, Ferdinand LaSalle, reformer, dualist. What fragments of verse from the ancient Hebrew and ancient Irish languages were cited with modulations of voice and translation of texts by guest to host and by host to guest? By Stephen. Sul sul sularun sul go shukar agas sugokun. Walk, walk, walk your way, walk in safety, walk with care. By Bloom, Kiflach Harman Rachtinicht Bahad Lachtemit. Thy temple amid thy hair is as a slice of pomegranate. How was a glyphic comparison of the phonic symbols of both languages made in substantiation of the oral comparison? By juxtaposition. On the penultimate blank page of a book of inferior literary style entitled Sweets of Sin, produced by Bloom and so manipulated that its front cover came in contact with the surface of the table, with a pencil supplied by Stephen, Stephen wrote the Irish characters for Gi, E, De, M, simple and modified, and Bloom in turn wrote the Hebrew characters Gimel, Aleph, Daleth, and, in the absence of Mem, a substitute Quaff, explaining their arithmetical values as ordinal and cardinal numbers, Vidilicit 3, 1, 
four, and one hundred. Was a knowledge possessed by both of each of these languages, the extinct and the revived, theoretical or practical? Theoretical, being confined to certain grammatical rules of accidents and syntax and practically excluding vocabulary. What points of contact existing between these languages and between the peoples who spoke them? The presence of guttural sounds, diacritic aspirations, epithetic and servile letters in both languages, their antiquity, both having been taught on the plain of Shinar 242 years after the deluge in the seminary instituted by Phineas Farsay, descendant of Noah, progenitor of Israel, and descendant of Herber and Harriman, progenitors of Ireland, their archaeological, geological, hagiographical, exegetical, homiletic, toponomastic, historical, and religious literatures comprising the works of rabbis and kaldis, Torah, Talmud, Misnach and Gemara, Masor, Pentutech, Book of the Dung Cow, Book of Alimut, Garland of Houth, Book of Kells, their dispersal, persecution, survival, and revival the isolation of their synagogal and ecclesiastical rites in Ghetto, St. Mary's Abbey, and Mass House, Adam and Eve's Tavern, the proscription of their national costumes in penal laws and Jewish dress acts, the restoration in Chana David of Zion, and the possibility of Irish political autonomy or devolution. What anthem did Bloom chant partially in anticipation of that multiple, ethnically irreducible consummation? Kolod Balijwa Nima Nefish Yehuda Chomidya Why was the chant arrested in the conclusion of his first distich? in consequence of defective mnemotechnic. How did the chanter compensate for this deficiency? By a paraphrasic version of the general text. In what common study did their mutual reflections merge? The increasing simplification traceable from the Egyptian epigraphic hieroglyphics to the Greek and Roman alphabets, and the anticipation of modern stenography and telegraphic code in the cuneiformic inscriptions, Semitic, and the Virgilar Quincecoscate Ogham writing, Celtic. Did the guest comply with his host's request? Doubly, by appending his signature in Irish and Roman characters. What was Stephen's auditive sensation? He heard in a profound ancient male unfamiliar melody the accumulation of the past. What was Bloom's visual sensation? He saw in a quick young male familiar form the predestination of a future. What were Stevens and Bloom's quasi-simultaneous volitional quasi-sensations of concealed identities? Visually, Stevens. Visually Stevens, the traditional figure of hypostasis depicted by Johannes Damasinus, Lentulus Romanus, and Epiphanus Monacus as leucodermic, 
sesquipedalian with wine-dark hair. Auditively, blooms, the traditional accent of the ecstasy of catastrophe. What future careers had been possible for Bloom in the past, and with what exemplars? In the church, Roman, Anglican, or nonconformist, exemplars, the very Reverend John Cummy, S.J., the Reverend T. Salmon, D.D., Provost of Trinity College, Dr. Alexander J. Dowie. At the bar, English or Irish, Exemplars Seymour Bush, K.C., Rufus Isaacs, K.C., On the Stage Modern or Shakespearean, Exemplars Charles Wyndham, High Comedian Osmond Turrell, died 1901, exponent of Shakespeare. Did the host encourage his guests to chant in a modulated voice a strange legend in an applause? Did the host encourage his guests to chant in a modulated voice a strange legend on an allied theme? Reassuringly, their place, where none could hear them talk, being secluded, reassured the decocted beverages, allowing for subsolid residual sediment of a mechanical mixture, water plus sugar plus cream plus cocoa, having been consumed. Recite the first major part of this chanted legend. Little Harry Hughes and his schoolfellows all went out for to play ball. And the very first ball little Harry Hughes played, he drove it o'er the Jews' garden wall. And the very second ball little Harry Hughes played, he broke the Jews' windows all. How did the son of Rudolph receive this first part? With mixed feeling, smiling, a Jew he heard with pleasure, and a Jew he heard with pleasure, and saw the unbroken kitchen window. Recite the second part, minor, of the legend. Then out there came the Jew's daughter, and she all dressed in green. Come back, come back, you pretty little boy, and play your ball again. I can't come back, and I won't come back, without my schoolfellows all. For if my master he did hear, he'd make it a sorry ball. She took him by the lily-white hand, and led him along the hall, until she led him to a room where none could hear him call. She took a penknife out her pocket and cut off his little head. And now he'll play his ball no more, for he lies among the dead. How did the father of Millicent receive this second part? With mixed feelings. Unsmiling, he heard and saw with wonder a Jew's daughter all dressed in green. Condense Stephen's Commentary one of all, and least of all, is the victim predestined. Once by inadvertence, once by design, he challenges his destiny. It comes when he is abandoned and challenges him reluctant and, as an apparition of hope and youth, holds him unrestraining. 
it leads him to a strange habitation, to a secret infidel apartment, and there implacable emulates him, consenting. Why was the host, victim predestined, sad? He wished that a tale of a deed should be told of a deed not by him, should by him not be told. Why was the host, reluctant, unresisting, still? In accordance with the law of the conservation of energy. Why was the host, secret infidel, silent? He weighed the possible evidences for and against ritual murder, the inclinations of the hierarchy, the superstition of the populace, the propagation of rumor in continued fraction of verdicity, the envy of opulence, the influence of retaliation, the sporadic reappearance of avatistic delinquency, the mitigating circumstances of fanaticism, hypnotic suggestion, and sonambulism. From which, if any, of these mental or physical disorders was he not totally immune? From hypnotic suggestion. Once, walking, he had not recognized his sleeping apartment. More than once, walking, he had been for an indefinite time incapable of moving or uttering sounds. From sonambulism. Once, sleeping, his body had risen, crouched and crawled in the direction of a heatless fire, and, having attained its destination, there curled, unheeded, in night attire, had lain, sleeping. Had this latter or any cognate phenomenon declared itself in any member of his family? Twice in Hull Street and in Ontario Terrace, his daughter Millicent, Millie, at the age of six and eight years, eh, his daughter Millicent, Millie, at the ages of six and eight years, had uttered in sleep an exclamation of terror, and had replied to the interrogations of two figures in night attire, with a vacant, mute expression. What other infantile memories had he of her? 15 June, 1889 a querulous newborn female infant crying to cause and lessen congestion. A child named Patty Socks, she took with her shocks her money box, counted his three free money penny buttons, one flew three, a doll, a boy, a sailor she cast away, blonde, born of too dark, she had blonde ancestry, remote, a violation, Er Hauptmann Heinau, Austrian Army, Proximate, a hallucination, Lieutenant Mulvey, British Navy. What endemic characteristics were present? Conversely, the nasal and frontal formation was derived in a direct line of lineage which, though interrupted, would continue at distant intervals to more distant intervals to its most distant intervals. What memories had he of her adolescence? She relegated her hoop and skipping rope to a recess. On the Duke's lawn, entreated by a English visitor, she declined to permit him to make and take away her photographic image, objection not stated. On the South Circular Road, in the company of Elsa Potter, followed by an individual of sinister aspect, she went halfway down Stammer Street and turned abruptly back reason of change not stated. 
On the vigil of the fifteenth anniversary of her birth, she wrote a letter from Mullingar, County Westmeath, making a brief allusion to a local student, faculty and year not stated. Did this first division, portending a second division, afflict him? Less than he had imagined, more than he had hoped. What second departure was contemporaneously perceived by him similarly, if differently? A temporary departure of his cat. Why similar, why differently? Similarly, because actuated by a secret purpose, the quest of a new male, Mullingar student, or of a healing herb, Valerian. Differently because of different possible returns to the inhabitants or to the habituation. In other respects, were their differences similar? In passivity? In economy? In the instinct of tradition? In unexpectedness? As? Inasmuch as leaning, she sustained her blonde hair for him to ribbon it for her. C.F. Neck-arching cat. Moreover, on the free surface of the lake in Stevens Green, amid inadverted reflections of trees, her uncommented spit, describing concentric circles of waterings, indicated by the constancy of its permanence the locus of a sonambulant prostrate fish, C.F. Mouse-watching cat. Again, in order to remember the date, combatants, issue and consequences of a famous military engagement, she pulled a plate of her hair, C.F. Ear-washing cat. Furthermore, silly Millie, she dreamed of having had an unspoken, unremembered conversation with a horse, whose name had been Joseph, to whom, which, she had offered a tumblerful of lemonade, which it, he, had appeared to have accepted, C.F., hearth-dreaming cat, hence, in passivity, in economy, in the instinct of tradition, in unexpectedness, their differences were similar. In what way had he utilized gifts one an owl, two a clock, given as matrimonial auguries, to interest and to instruct her? As object lessons to explain. 1. The nature and habit of oviparous animals, the possibility of aerial flight, certain abnormalities of vision, the secular process of embalsamation. 2. The principle of the pendulum, exemplified in bob, wheel-gear, and regulator. The translation in terms of human or social regulation of the various positions of clockwise movable indicators on a unmoving dial. The exactitude of the reoccurrence per hour of an instant in each hour, when the longer and the shorter indicators were at the same angle of inclination. Vidilicit 5 five slash eleven minutes past each hour per hour in arithmetical progression in what manners did she reciprocate she remembered on the twenty-seventh anniversary of his birth she presented to him a breakfast mustache cup of imitation crown derby porcelain ware she provided at quarter day of thereabouts, if or when purchases had been made by him not for her, she showed herself attentive to his necessities, anticipating his desires. She admired, 
a natural phenomenon having been explained by him to her she expressed the immediate desire to possess without gradual acquisition a fraction of his science the moiety the quarter a thousandth part what proposal did bloom diambulist father of milly sonambulist make to stephen noctambulist to pass and repose the hours intervening between thursday proper and friday normal on an extemporized cubicle in the apartment immediately above the kitchen and immediately adjacent to the sleeping apartment of his host and hostess what various advantages would or might have resulted from a prolongation of such an extemporization for the guest security of domicile and seclusion of study for the host rejuvenation of intelligence vicarious satisfaction for the hostess disintegration of obsession acquisition of correct italian pronunciation why might these several provisional contingencies between a guest and a hostess not necessarily preclude or be precluded by a permanent eventuality of reconciliatory union between a schoolfellow and a jew's daughter because the way to a daughter led through a mother the way to a mother through a daughter to what inconsistent polysyllabic question of his host did the guest return a monosyllabic negative answer if he had known the late mrs emily sinico accidentally killed at sydney parade railway station fourteen october nineteen o three what inchoate corollary statement was consequently suppressed by the host a statement explanatory of his absence on the occasion of the internment of mrs mary dedalus born goulding twenty six june nineteen o three Vigil of the Anniversary of the Decease of Rudolf Bloom, born Virag. Was the proposal of asylum accepted? Promptly, inexplicably, with amicability, gratefully it was declined. What exchange of money took place between host and guest? The former returned to the latter without interest the sum of one pound seven shillings, one pound seven shillings sterling, advanced by the latter to the former. What counter-proposals were alternately advanced, accepted, modified, declined, restated in other terms, re-accepted, ratified, reconfirmed? To inaugurate a prearranged course of Italian instruction, place the residence of the instructed. To inaugurate a course of vocal instruction, place the residence of the instructress. To inaugurate a series of static, semi-static, and peripathetic intellectual dialogues, places the residence of both speakers, if both speakers were resident in the same place. The ship, hotel, and tavern, 6 Lower Abbey Street, w and e connery proprietors the national library of ireland ten kildare street the national maternity hospital twenty nine thirty and thirty one holish street a public garden the vicinity of a place of worship a conjunction of two or more public thoroughfares the point of bisection of a right line drawn between these two residences if both speakers were resident in different places 
what rendered problematic for Bloom the realization of these mutually self-excluding propositions. The irreparability of the past, once at a performance of Albert Hengler's Circus in the Rotunda, Rutland Square, Dublin, an intuitive party-colored clown in quest of paternity had penetrated from the ring to a place in the auditorium where Bloom, solitary, was seated and had publicly declared to an exhilarated audience that he, Bloom, was his, the clown's, papa. The improvidability of the future, once in the summer of 1898, he, Bloom, had marked a florin with three notches on the milled edge, and tendered it in payment of an account due to and received by J. and T. Davy, family grocers, one Charlesmont Hall, Grand Canal, for circulation on the waters of civil finance, for possible, circuitous, or direct return. Was the clown Bloom's son? No. Had Bloom's coin returned? Never. Why would a recurrent frustration the more depress him? Because at the critical turning point of human existence he desired to amend many social conditions, the product of inequality and avarice and international animosity. He believed that human life was infinitely perfectible, eliminating these conditions? There remained the generic conditions imposed by nature, as distinct from human law, as integral parts of the human whole, the necessity of destruction to procure alimentary sustenance, the painful character of the ultimate functions of separate existence, the agonies of birth and death, the monotonous menstruation of simian and particularly human females extending from the age of puberty to the menopause, inevitable accidents at sea and mines and factories, certain very painful maladies and their resultant surgical operations, innate lunacy and congenital criminality, decimating epidemics, catastrophic cataclysms which make terror the basis of human mentality seismic upheavals, the epicenters of which are located in densely populated regions, the fact of vital growth through convulsions and metamorphoses from infancy through maturity to decay. Why did he desist from speculation? Because it was a task for a superior intelligence to substitute other more acceptable phenomenon in the place of the less acceptable phenomenon to be removed. Did Stephen participate in his dejection? He affirmed his significance as a conscious rational animal, proceeding syllogistically from the known to the unknown, and a conscious rational reagent between a micro and macrocosm ineluctably constructed upon the uncertainty of the void. Was this affirmation apprehended by Bloom? Not verbally, substantially. What comforted his misapprehension? that as a complete keyless citizen he had proceeded energetically from the unknown to the known through the incertitude of the void. In what order of precedence, with what attendant ceremony, was the exodus from the house of bondage to the wilderness of inhabitation effected? Lighted candle in stick borne by Bloom. 
Diaconal hat on ash-plant borne by Stephen. With what intonation secreto of what commemorative psalm? The 113th, Modus Peregrinus. In exitu Israel de Egypto domus Jacob de Populo Barbaro. What did each do at the door of egress? Bloom set the candlestick on the floor. Stephen put the hat on his head. For what creature was the door of egress a door of ingress? For a cat. What spectacle confronted them when they, first the host, then the guest, emerged silently, double dark, from obscurity by a passage from the rear of the house into the penumbra of the garden? The heaven-tree of stars hung with humid night-blue fruit. With what meditations did Bloom accompany his demonstration to his companion of various constellations? Meditations of evolution increasingly vaster, of the moon invisible in incipient lunation, approaching perigree, of the infinite latiginous scintillating uncondensed Milky Way, discernible by daylight by an observer placed at the lower end of a cylindrical vertical shaft five hundred feet deep sunk from the surface towards the center of the earth of cirrus alpha in canis major ten light-years fifty-seven billion miles distant and in a volume nine hundred times the dimension of our planet of arcturus of the procession of equinoxes of orion with belt and sextuple theta and nebula in which one hundred of our solar systems could be contained of moribund and of nascent new stars such as nova in nineteen o one of our system plunging towards the constellation of Hercules, of the parallax or parallactic drift of so-called fixed stars, in reality ever-moving wanderers from immeasurable remote eons to infinitely remote futures, in comparison with which the years threescore and ten of allotted human life formed a parenthesis of infinitesimal brevity. Were there obverse meditations of involution increasingly less vast? Of the eons of geological periods recorded in the stratifications of the earth, of the myriad minute etymological organic existences concealed in cavities of the earth, beneath removable stones, in hives and mounds, of microbes, germs, bacteria, bacilli, spermatozoa, of the incalculable trillions of billions of millions of imperceptible molecules contained by cohesion of molecular affinity in a single pinhead, of the universe of human serum constellated with red and white bodies, themselves universes of void space constellated with other bodies, each in continuity, its universe of divisible component bodies of which each was again divisible in divisions of redivisible component bodies, divided and divisors ever diminishing without actual division, till, if the progress were carried far enough, naught nowhere was ever reached. Why did he not elaborate these calculations to a more precise result? Because some years previously, in 1886, when occupied with the problem of the quadrature of the circle, he had learned of the existence of a number, 
computed to a relative degree of accuracy to be of such magnitude and of so many places, e.g. the ninth power of the ninth power of nine, that the result had been obtained, thirty-three closely printed volumes of one thousand pages each of innumerable queries and reams of Indian paper would have to be requisitioned in order to contain the complete tale of its printed integers of units, tens, hundreds, thousands, ten thousands, hundreds of thousands, millions, tens of millions, hundreds of millions, billions the nucleus of the nebula of every digit of every series containing succinctly the potentiality of being raised to the utmost kinetic elaboration of any power of any of its powers. Did he find the problems of the inhabitability of the planets and their satellites by a race, given in species, and of the possible social and moral redemption of such race by a redeemer, easy of solution? of a different order of difficulty. Did he find the problems of the inhabitability of the planets and their satellites by a race, given in species, and of the possible social and moral redemption of such race by a redeemer, easy of solution? Of a different order of difficulty. Did he find the problems of the inhabitability of the planets and their satellites by a race, given in species, and of the possible social and moral redemption of such race by a redeemer, easy of solution? Of a different order of difficulty. Did he find the problems of the inhabitability of the planets and their satellites by a race, given in species, and of the possible social and moral redemption of such race by a redeemer, easy of solution? Of a different order of difficulty. Did he find the problems of the inhabitability of the planets and their satellites by a race, given in species, and of the possible social and moral redemption of such race by a redeemer, easy of solution? Of a different order of difficulty. Did he find the problems of the inhabitability of the planets and their satellites by a race, given in species, and of the possible social and moral redemption of such race by a redeemer, easy of solution? Of a different order of difficulty. Conscious that the human organism normally capable of sustaining an atmospheric pressure of 19 tons, when elevated to a considerable altitude in the terrestrial atmosphere, suffered with arithmetical progression of intensity, according as the line of demarcation between troposphere and stratosphere was approximated from nasal hemorrhage, impeded respiration and vertigo when proposing this problem for a solution, he had conjectured as a working hypothesis which could not be proved impossible that a more adaptable and differently anatomically constructed race of beings might subsist otherwise under Martian, Mercurial, Venereal, Jovian, Saturnian, Neptunian, or Uranian sufficient and equivalent conditions though an apogean humanity of beings created in various forms with finite differences resulting similar to the whole and to one another would probably there as here remain inalterably and inalienably attached to vanities to vanities of vanities and to all that is vanity 
and the problem of possible redemption? The minor was proved by the major. Which various features of the constellations were in turn considered? The various colors significant of varying degrees of vitality, white, yellow, crimson, vermilion, cinnabar. Their degrees of brilliancy, their magnitudes revealed up to and including the seventh. Their positions, the Wagoner's Star, Walsingham Way, the Chariot of David, the annular cinchers of Saturn, the condensation of the spiral nebula into the sun, the interdependent gyrations of double suns, the independent synchronous discoveries of Galileo, Simon Marius, Piazzi, Levieri, Herschel, Galley, the systematizations attempted by Bode and Kepler of cubes of distances and squares of time of revolution, the almost infinite comprehensibility of hirsute comets and their vast elliptical egressive and reentrant orbits from perihelion to aphelion the sidereal origin of meteoric stones the libyan floods on mars about the period of the birth of the younger astroscopist the annual recurrence of meteoric showers about the period of the feast of st lawrence martyr low august the monthly recurrence known as the new moon with the old moon in her arms the posited influence of celestial on human bodies the appearance of a star first magnitude of exceeding brilliancy dominated by night and day a new luminous sun generated by the collision and amalgamation in incandescence of two non-luminous ex-suns about the period of the birth of william shakespeare over delta in the recumbent never-setting constellation of Cassiopeia, and of a star, second magnitude, of similar origin but of lesser brilliancy, which had appeared in and disappeared from the constellation of the Corona Septentrionalis, about the period of the birth of Leopold Bloom, and of other stars of presumably similar origin which had effectively or presumably appeared in and disappeared from the constellation of andromeda about the period of the birth of stephen dedalus and in and from the constellation of origa some years after the birth and death of rudolph bloom jr and in and from other constellations some years before or after the birth or death of other persons the attendant phenomenon of eclipses solar and lunar from immersion to immersion abated of wind transit of shadow taciturnity of winged creatures emergent of nocturnal or crepuscular animals persistence of infernal light obscurity of terrestrial waters pallor of human beings his bloom's logical conclusion having weighed the matter and allowing for possible error? That it was not a heaven-tree, not a heaven-grot, not a heaven-beast, not a heaven-man. That it was a utopia, there being no known method for the known to the unknown, and infinitely renderable, equally finite, by the suppositious apposition of one or more bodies equally of the same and of different magnitudes a mobility of illusory forms immobilized in space remobilized in air a past which possibly had ceased to exist as a present 
before its probable spectators had entered actual present existence. Was he more convinced of the aesthetic value of the spectacle? Indubitably, in consequence of the reiterated examples of poets in the delirium of the frenzy of attachment, or in the abasement of rejection, invoking ardent sympathetic constellations, or the frigidity of the satellite of their planet. Did he then accept as an article of belief the theory of astrological influences upon sublunary disasters? It seemed to him as possible of proof as a confutation, and the nomenclature employed in its selenographical chart as attributable to verifiable intuition as to fallacious analogy, the lake of dreams, the sea of rains, the gulf of dews, the ocean of fecundity. What special affinities appeared to him to exist between the moon and women? her antiquity in preceding and surviving successive Tellurian generations, her nocturnal predominance, her satellitic dependence, her luminary reflection, her constancy under all her phases, rising and setting by her appointed times, waxing and waning, the forced invariability of her aspect, her indeterminate response to inaffirmative interrogation, her potency over effluent and refluent waters, her power to enamour, to mortify, to invest with beauty, to render insane, to incite to and aid delinquency, the tranquil inscrutability of her visage, the terribility of her isolated dominant implacable resplendent propinquity, her omens of tempest and of calm, the stimulation of her light, her motion and her presence, the admonition of her craters, her arid seas, her silence, her splendor when visible, her attraction when invisible. What visible luminous sign attracted Bloom's, who attracted Stephen's gaze? In the second-story rear of his, Bloom's, house, the light of a paraffin oil-lamp with oblique shade projected on a screen of roller-blinds supplied by Frank O'Hara, window-blind, curtain-roll, and revolving shutter manufactured 16 on Guerre Street. How did he elucidate the mystery of an invisible, attractive person, his wife, Marion Molly Bloom, denoted by a visible, splendid sign? a lamp, with indirect or direct verbal allusions or affirmations, with subdued affection and admiration, with description, with impediment, with suggestion. Both then were silent, silent, each contemplating the other in both mirrors of the reciprocal flesh of their his no his fellow faces. Were they indefinitely inactive? At Stephen's suggestion, at Bloom's instigation both, first Stephen, then Bloom, in penumbra urinated, their sides contagious, their organs of micturation reciprocally rendered invisible by manual circumposition, their gazes, first Bloom's, then Stephen's, elevated to the projected luminous and semi-luminous shadow. Similarly, the trajectories of their first sequent and simultaneous urinations were dissimilar, Bloom's longer, less irruent, 
In the incomplete form of the bifurcated penultimate alphabetical letter, who in his ultimate year at high school, 1880, had been capable of attaining the point of greatest altitude against the whole concurrent strength of the institution, 210 scholars. Stevens higher, more sibilant, who in the ultimate hours of the previous day had augmented by diuretic consumption and insistent vesicle pressure. What different problems presented themselves to each concerning the invisible collateral organ of the other? To Bloom, the problems of irritability, tumescence, rigidity, reactivity, dimensions, sanitariness, pilosity. To Stephen, the problem of the sacerdotal integrity of Jesus circumcised, 1 January, holiday of obligation to hear Mass and abstain from unnecessary servile work, and the problem as to whether the divine prepus, the carnal bridal ring of the Holy Roman Catholic Apostolic Church, conserved in Calcutta, were deserving of simple hypergyly or of the fourth degree of latria, according to the abscission of such divine excrescences as hair and toenails. What celestial sign was by both simultaneously observed? A star precipitated with great apparent velocity across the firmament from Vega in the Lyre, above the zenith, beyond the star group of the Tress of Berenice, towards the zodiacal sign of Leo. End of chapter 17, section B.